Welcome to this week's message at Corner Bible Church. We're so glad that you could join us. If you'd like more information on our church, you could check us out at our website, cornerbiblechurch.com, or you can like or follow us on Facebook. Now here's this week's message. Thank you for listening. Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Awesome. Good. Awesome. Glad to hear that. Uh, my name is Davis. I am one of the pastors here at Corner Bible Church. And if you are a note taker this morning, our title of today's message is Wake Up. Wake Up. If you've been following along with us for these past couple weeks, we've been walking through a series called Vulnerable, a Pathway to Lament. We've been talking about a lot of the situations that come up in our lives that are difficult, that are strenuous, that make us not want to get up out of bed any morning. Everybody have that time in your life where you just couldn't get up out of bed in the morning, okay? In first service, I had a kid that said, every day. (laughs) It was awesome. When we talk about these situations that come up in our lives that make make living difficult, I brought a prop in with me today. Does anybody know what this is? It's a journal. Yes, awesome. We got there. Uh, it's a journal. I've always been a, a writer. That's when I process my feelings and those kinds of things, I've always written them down. Any writers in the room that do that? Okay, yes. Uh, you'll identify with this then. Awesome. Uh, so when I, uh, I journal a lot of the difficult seasons of my life, and this journal encapsulates a one-year period of my life in 2014, I believe it was. I was a freshman in college, and this season documents a lot of difficult things. I remember I had just gotten to school, and I was, you know, raised in the church. I was going to ministry school to learn how to be a pastor and how to study God's Word and all of those things. And I remember one day I woke up in bed, and the thought crossed my mind. I have no idea from where, but it was, what if you're wrong? What if this God you've been saying you believe in, what if this God you say you worship, that you are giving your life to, what if he's not real? I hadn't really had that thought before, and I tell you what, it scared me. It really did. But I couldn't get that thought out of my head, and for the next like three years of my life, most of my undergrad, I struggled. Didn't know what was real, what wasn't real, and I ran to books, tried to figure things out, and then I would journal everything in here. See, this journal is a collection of prayers. Angry prayers, sad prayers, sometimes really, really cynical prayers. Sometimes I would uh, be writing in here and I would have this glimpse of hope. I'd wake up one day and I felt like it was over. You ever had that, the really difficult season, you wake up and you're like, I think it's gone. I think we're good. And you write it down and you're like, God, thank you so much. We're good. We're go- it's gone now. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. All of those things. And then the next journal entry is, I'm here again. Those glimpses of hope that are there for a moment and then are gone the next. And then some moments are like these barely scrawled pages that's just like, ah! That made no logical sense whatsoever. 
Because that's how our lament goes, isn't it? We're forward, we're backward, we're up, we're down. We wake up one day and we think we can finally forgive that person. We think we're finally done with the bitterness. Or maybe you lost a loved one and you're like, I finally am through this season of grief. And then you see something that reminds you of them. Or that person says something and you're right back in that same rut again. The process of lament takes a long time. It's a process. It's not instantaneous. And what we've been doing together as we've been talking about the pathway of lament, how we walk through this together, we've been following the Israelites as they learn to walk through lament in the book of Lamentations. So if you have your Bibles, please open them up with me to Lamentations chapter 1. Lamentations chapter 1, verses 15 through 22. We're going to finish up chapter 1 this morning. Give you guys a second to turn there. I get a drink of water. Jeremiah is talking here. He says, The Lord rejected all my mighty men in my midst. He summoned an assembly against me to crush my young men. The Lord has trodden me as in a winepress, the virgin daughter of Judah. For these things I weep. My eyes flow with tears, for a comforter is far from me, one to revive my spirit. My children are desolate, for the enemy has prevailed. Zion stretches out her hands, but there is none to comfort her. The Lord has commanded against Jacob that his neighbors should be his foes. Jerusalem has become a filthy thing among them. But the Lord is in the right, for I have rebelled against his word. But hear all you peoples and see my suffering, my young women and my young men. They have gone into captivity. I called to my lovers, but they deceived me. My priests and elders, they perished in the city while they sought food to revive their strength. Look, O Lord, for I am in distress. My stomach churns, my heart is wrung within me because I have been very rebellious. In the street, the sword bereaves in the house. It is like death. They heard my groaning, yet there was no one to comfort me. All my enemies have heard of my trouble. They are glad that you have done it. You have brought the day that you announced. Now let them be as I am. Let all their evil doing come before you and deal with them as you've dealt with me because of my transgressions. For my groans are many, my heart is faint. Let's pray real quick. Father, we want to thank you for this morning. Thank you for the time you have given us to open your word as we talk about lament as we talk about how to t- work through lament. 
God, I pray you open the eyes of our heart this morning. Open my eyes this morning. Don't let us leave this place unchanged. Thank you for what you want to do and what you're going to do in advance. In your name. Amen. So something I really appreciate about our church is that as our teaching team, is we, when we approach a series and we're working through scripture, uh, we read our passage together and we really work through it line by line, talking about what the author intended, what God was trying to get to uh, as he uh, brought us our, his word. And we, we're not up here to give a verse and give you a TED talk and kind of give you our opinions and those kinds of things, but we are here to discuss God's word. And uh, Rich and I, we always talk about how, you know, we put that first and we, as we come to our prep and all of that. But what's really funny is Pastor Rich and I were talking this week about just how difficult to do that, how to do that with Lamentations, how difficult that process really is. Because Lamentations is one of those books that you don't just sit down and you, uh, you exegete or you bring the meaning out of the text and you write everything down and you say, the Lord said, go do this, go home, have fun. Right? That's not what this book is all about. This book is hard to translate. Because this book is emotion. This book is up and down. And you can see Jeremiah in one instant in chapter 3, he's up and he's praising God. And he's saying, God, you are faithful even in the midst of our lament. Only for the next moment for him to be, God, why would you let this happen? In the next moment to be, thank you for your faithfulness. In the next moment to be, God, why aren't you judging those people? You ever have that? I'm, I'm way better than that guy, and he's not having any problems. Because that's how our lament goes, isn't it? It's emotion. Up and it's down. It's back and it's forwards. It's a raw, open nerve. Ever have that? You ever, ever have like anybody ever had the root canal before? And you like breathe wrong and it's like, ah, you feel like you're dying inside, right? That's what lament is like. And because of that, when we come to this text, it's difficult to exegete because of all the emotion that's taking place here. In fact, I'll give you an example. Take a look back down at our verse 15. We'll read that again. Well, I'll show you something. It says, The Lord rejected all my mighty men in my midst. He summoned an assembly or an army against me to crush my young men. The Lord has trodden as in a winepress the virgin daughter of Judah. For these things I weep. My eyes flow with tears, for a comforter is far from me. One to revive my spirit. My children are desolate, for the enemy has prevailed. Zion stretches out her hands, but there is none to comfort her. The Lord has commanded against Jacob that his neighbor should be his foes. Jerusalem has become a filthy thing among them. Can you hear the emotion that's just dripping off this page? You can wring it out practically. The rejection that he as a person is feeling for his nation. Those moments where you call out to God, you call out and say, God, what's happening? There's no reply. Never have that. One of the examples he used here is a really powerful analogy. I have a picture. If you want to bring that up for me there, Judd. 
He says, we have been trodden as in a wine press. See, back in Bible times, when you made wine, you'd bring all your grapes into a vat like this. And what these kids are reenacting is the process of the first step of making wine back in Bible days. You'd go in, you put all your grapes in, and then you'd go in and just stomp on them till there was nothing left but juice. There was no structure left. It was gone. And Jeremiah is saying, God, you've come in, we're all these grapes, and you've trodden on us like grapes, and there's nothing left. We're just Jews. We're empty. And he says, for these things I weep. I feel alone. He says, our nation is reaching out to people, reaching out for someone to comfort us. Nobody's answering. Their lament left them isolated. Anybody ever been there? Isolated. Pastor Rich last week said that Lamentations is Jeremiah retroactively looking back and asking, God, why did you let this happen? Why did this happen? Why did you let the Babylonians come in and destroy everything? And why are you so distant? Like so many of us have asked in our lament. As a pastor, I, I have people that will come in for counseling. And one of the most common things I get from people that come in for counseling is they usually ask me at some point, Davis, God feels really distant right now. Anybody ever been there with distance? If you walk for Jesus with any length of time, God feels distant. And I usually respond with a question, and I say, is it a season, or is there a reason? And then they'll usually look at me very blankly, because it's a really vague answer with zero context. <laughs> but then I usually explain. There's usually two reasons why God feels distant. Usually two. First one is a season. It's a series of circumstances that God has allowed into our lives that are often painful. And what God is doing in that time is he's saying, it might feel like I'm stepping back here, but what I'm doing is I'm inviting you to step forward. It's a deeper call to intimacy with Christ. And that feeling of distance pushes us closer. The season. But I said, there's, I said there's also another reason. I say there's a reason sometimes that God feels distant. And that's when we're walking with Christ, sometimes we can fall back into some of the same sinful practices or maybe new sinful practices and we live in that sin. And when you are living in sin, unrepentant sin, you're constructing a wall, you're gumming up that relationship between you and God. And it's not that God is no longer speaking anymore, but that we've tuned into the frequency of our sin, and we are no longer truly listening. And what I've found as well is 
our lament, the reasons why we lament, are often the same way, same thing. Sometimes there are situations in our lives that God allows to come in. Maybe you've had a, just a really bad day at work, week, oh my goodness, week at work. There we go. Week at work, and you're like, God, why in the world is this happening? And it causes struggle. Or maybe you're just coming up out of an abusive relationship, and there's that lament there. Or maybe you just lost someone, and you're walking through that grieving process. Or any other number of circumstances that come in our life, things we have zero control over, but that God has allowed to happen in our lives is not sin, but we are struggling through the circumstance. That's one type of lament. And the other type of lament that happens, it's caused when we, living in our sin, unrepentantly, experience the consequences of those sin. And we hit that. We feel that wall. We feel that loss of joy. We experience the consequences of our sin. There's a lament. Pastor Rich also said last week that when we encounter the crazy, confusing ball of emotion, when we enter into the season of lament, the first thing we have to do is ask, is it a season or is there a reason? We have to start there. What we see in the text here is we see Jeremiah start that process and come to a conclusion. Take a look at verse 18 with me. He says this, The Lord is in the right, for I have rebelled against his word. But hear all you peoples and see my suffering. My young women and my young men have gone into captivity. He says God is in the right here. There's all this desolation, all of this destruction that's happened that we are going through and we are experiencing as a consequence of our sin. See, for Israel, this wasn't a season. They had been living in constant disobedience to God for like 200 years. They were offering their children to another God as human sacrifices, a God named Molech. They were uh, sending their children to, away to be temple prostitutes as sex slaves in the temples. They were consumed with the pursuit of empire and making themselves better than everybody else. They didn't worship God. They worshiped their own lust. And what God did for almost 200 years was he sent prophet after prophet after prophet whom Jeremiah was one of to say, stop going this way. Don't go this way. This leads nowhere good. And they wouldn't listen. He says, stop, the Babylonians are going to come. They're going to take over everything. It's not going to be good. And they didn't listen. Over and over and over again until God was true to his word and he brought judgment. Consequence. When I was in high school, I had a season very similar to this. I grew up in the church. I've uh, been a Christian ever since I was a kid, and I was growing in my faith, all of that. But my sophomore year of high school, I discovered pornography. I, I was a curious kid. I still am a very curious person. But that curiosity led me into a very bad place. 
was, I, I didn't know what it was at first, but it quickly became everything. And it consumed large, large, large parts of me. And as I said, I was growing up in the church, but I didn't know where, really what to do with it. I didn't know who I could talk to. I didn't know if it was safe to talk to people. I had a great church who taught the Bible and, and sin and salvation and all those things, but I don't think they meant to do this. But they created an environment where if you came out and said you were struggling, you probably were going to get judged and maybe kicked out. I felt like I couldn't come forward and talk about what I was going through because I was scared I was going to get judged. Anybody had a church who were like, I can't talk about this stuff here. In addition to that, I was also slightly overweight as a teenager. And I believe this lie my culture was telling me, that's still a voice in, this, in our culture today, is that in order to be lovable, you must be thin. And I very quickly developed an eating disorder called anorexia. And the combo of those two things in my life completely wrecked me. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who I could talk to. I felt destroyed. And as a consequence of believing those lies how I viewed people, of how I viewed myself, of how I viewed what lovable meant, I lost all of my joy. I lost all of my peace. I lost my passion. I lost my feelings of purpose, my sense of security. I really couldn't feel God anymore, if I was honest with you. I was a believer but I was so lost in the weeds that I had no idea which way was up anymore. And those choices led me to a consequence of feeling very lost. Church, have you ever found yourself in a season just like this? Or you stumbled back into old habits or stumbled back into sin and you felt so tangled up. Like you were in bondage. That's where I was. We have to ask the question, what do we do when we stumble into lament because of the choices we've made. I'm not talking about the stuff that happens to us, but the stuff that we do. What we do with it. Because like our usual temptation, I think, is do what I did, stuff it inside and hide it, run from it, not tell other people about it, or maybe try just to fix it ourselves. Like the people of Israel did. In fact, take a look at our next verse there. Because I called to my lovers, but they deceived me. My priests and elders, they perished in the city while they sought to, for food to revive their strength. Look, O oh Lord, for I am in distress. My stomach churns, my heart is wrung within me because I have been very rebellious. In the street, the sword bereaves in the house. It is like death. 
know what's crazy about this whole book of Lamentations is that the judgment that he is writing about, the original judgment, is actually way less than what actually happened and God's intention for them. See, the original judgment on their sin as a people happened about 10 years prior. See, around 601 BC, uh, God brought the judgment on his people in the form of the Babylonians. Nebuchadnezzar and his armies, they came in and they had like a quick two or three year war with the people of Israel. And they were like, okay, we give up. And the Babylonians came into Jerusalem and they took away some of the best people of the city and they took them back to Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar set up a new king in Israel that he could control. And they left and life continued on. That was God's judgment. That was God's original judgment designed to wake the people up and say, come back to me. But that's not what happened. See, this king that was put there by Nebuchadnezzar, his name was Zedekiah, he was in this role as a king, and it went okay for the first couple years, but he's like, I've figured out how I'm going to fix our country. We're going to rebel. We're going to rise up. We're going to fix this situation ourselves. We're going to overcome Babylon. What ended up happening is that Achaia made an alliance with another country named Egypt. Egypt, that country that had enslaved the people of Israel for 400 years, the country that God said, don't go back there. They're not your protectors. They're going to lead you into idol worship. They're not your providers. I'm your protector. I'm your provider. Don't go back to Egypt. But they did. They made an alliance with Egypt to overcome the Babylonians. And when Nebuchadnezzar found out about it in about 597 B.C., He wasn't very happy, to say the least. So he brought his army. Egypt bailed on them. And all of a sudden it was Jerusalem versus the entire Babylonian army. And guess what? They got creamed. And when Nebuchadnezzar came in this time, he burned down the temple. He burned down the city walls. He slaughtered thousands of people. He took everybody else back to Babylon. And that judgment is what we're hearing about here in Lamentations. When Israel had everything stripped from them. Because they tried to fix their sin their own way. Church, I don't think I need a punchline here because we do this all the time do this all the time. We have a God who's sitting up there saying, I'm here to pick you up when you fall. And we're like, I got it. We fall even deeper. We say, I'm going to get back up. I'm going to fix myself, be a better me. And we slip right back down again. We run to more sin to fix our sin. How many of us, rather than actually experience true healing, want just the pain to go away? Actually, I knew a pastor that once said, if the solution to your problem doesn't bring you closer to God, then it wasn't God's solution. It doesn't bring you closer to God. It wasn't God's solution. The intention here from God is not to just judge the people of Israel and say, I'm done with you, get out of here. 
His intention is to wake them up to say, come back home. Repent. Turn away from this stuff. Come back. I love you. In fact, C.S. Lewis once said, pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts at us in our pains. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. The consequence to our sin is not just a God to kick you while you're down. It's to lovingly restore you and pick you back up. If we repent. In my story, it was that moment that I hit rock bottom. Anybody been to rock bottom, got the t-shirt? There's a fun little gift shop around the corner. It was when I hit that spot, when I realized I couldn't dig myself deeper, that I could finally hear God calling out to me again. And he taught me to do a couple things in those moments. Mike, I have you come up here. The first thing he taught me to do with that, in that moment, was he called me to be vulnerable with him. Call me vulnerable with him. To admit first that he was right. That I was in the wrong. Repent and turn away and run away from those things. What was crazy was when I opened up my Bible and I was reading it, I didn't find a God who said, you're done. I found a God that said, come home. 1 John 1.9 says, if you confess your sin, he is faithful, he is just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's a promise. And he asked me to be vulnerable. The reason why we sing our songs at the end of our service is not just because we like uh, Mike playing the guitar and we uh, like to sing together only. We do like those things, but... It gives us a time, a moment as individuals to be vulnerable with God. Take a moment and be like, God, I've been really struggling with this. Forgive me, you're right. Help me move towards you. First, being vulnerable with God. The second thing that he taught me in that season about overcoming lament called me to be vulnerable with other people. The first thing is I need to be vulnerable to my parents. I was, I was underage. I needed to talk to them. And I was terrified to talk to them, I'll be honest. I had no idea what they were going to say. I had no idea what they were going to do. thought they would be really mad. But they weren't. They were loving. They were kind be honest with you, if it wasn't for them, I don't think I would have made it through that season. They really helped me. And the second person that God really uh, brought along was a good friend of mine by the name of Jake. He was an accountability partner for me. And he was a guy that lifted me up when I was down. And I couldn't have made it without him either. In fact, we're still very close friends to this day. 
But that vulnerability piece of with God and with each other is vital. There's too many one another uh, commands in Scripture of love one another, of pray for one another, of help one another, bear one another's burdens for you to do this alone. There's no verse in the Bible that says just you and Jesus conquer the world. That's not there. But it's only accomplished in community. And I know that's scary. Because I think it's one thing for us to talk about our problems that are maybe things that have happened to us. It might be one thing to talk about those, but it's another thing to admit you're wrong. Talk about our sin. But it's what we're called to. In fact, James 5 says, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. And that healing he's talking about there is a spiritual healing that happens when we're vulnerable. Church, do you have somebody to confide in? I'm not saying you have to come up here and confess everything. But is there a believer in your life who is a growing person, walking with Christ, that you can confide in? Do you have that? If not, maybe the first step of the prayer is God send someone in my life that I can trust. So I can walk well with you. We must be vulnerable together. God and with each other. I'm going to pray for us and I'm going to turn it over to Mike. Thank you for joining us for this week's message here at Corner Bible Church. If you would like more audio resources, please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Or you can go online and visit us on our webpage at cornerbiblechurch.com.